this is going to be the final talk uh, in the series of, of Knowing God. Um, and in this reading in Psalm 65, uh, sorry, Psalm 36, Psalm 36 um, and verse 5, it, it pulls together a number of the attributes um, of God um, that we've looked at. And uh, it mentions the one that we're going to be thinking about tonight, which is the faithfulness uh, of God. So good for us to remember, as we've tried to emphasize over these weeks, that rather than in isolation, you know, the glory of God is the sum of his attributes. So Psalm 36, verse 5. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Now we're going to turn over to the book of Lamentations now. And chapter 3 as we focus on the faithfulness of God. Lamentations chapter 3 and at verse 19. Jeremiah says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Amen. I think it's so important for us all uh, to, to remind ourselves that, that God is faithful, that in his very nature, in his very essence, he is the very definition of what, what faithfulness is. Especially when we meet up against times of, of distress uh, or times of difficulty in our lives. God is faithful, and to know the faithful God, which is where Jeremiah was, in his lamentation. Imagine uh, penning a, a book of many chapters and uh, the title that is given to it is just, it's a lament. You know, from beginning to end, it's, it's sorrow, it's grief. It's a sad book written in dark times. And in his lament, of course he thinks about the bitterness and the gall of his own experience. His soul is downcast as he looks around at the, 
the people that he had lived among and that he preached to for year after year, uh, who because of their rebellion against the word of God, they have now gone into exile. Jerusalem has been sacked and invaded and captured and desecrated and the people of God are, are no more. The land is overrun and, and Jeremiah lives to see all of this and he looks at it all and, and he writes down and he makes his lament. And yet, in all of that, there is something, as he says, which he calls to mind, which gives him hope. It's the Lord's great love. It is his unfailing compassions, which he says are new every morning. As the sun rises every morning without fail and casts its bright rays upon a sleeping world, so every single day God's love arises for us. And we're reminded about the greatness of God's faithfulness never ending never failing great is your faithfulness and again notice that he's not just saying that occasionally god demonstrates or shows the fact that he is faithful what he's saying is god in his very nature is the essence and definition of of faithfulness which means this that God will always be true to his character. God will always be faithful to his promises. And God will always be loyal and committed to his people. In all of these ways, the greatness and the faithfulness of God is, is highlighted. Now, at times we know what it means, of course. Sometimes it's helpful when you think of definitions to look at the positive, but also to contrast it uh, with the negative. And we know what it's like at times when we think about unfaithfulness. I mean, one of the great illustrations of that is uh, the story of, of Hosea in, in our scriptures. Uh, Hosea, who's told to take a wife and to marry this lady uh, called Gomer, who, who proves to be completely unfaithful to him. She walks away and leaves him. She doesn't remain true. Her loyalty and her commitment to the vows and the promises that she made uh, to Hosea, she abandons that. And it's with a sense of treachery that he, he finds that out. And the point is that that almost is, is a, an object lesson on the one hand of the faithlessness of God's people at that time. And yet on the other hand, it's an emphasis of just how faithful God is despite that. Because Hosea remains constant and true and loyal and committed and faithful. And that is a picture of God's heart and compassion as far as his people are concerned. And here we are, and what we have to remember tonight is that we find ourselves in the position of being the bride of Christ. The bride that Christ has promised and vowed to be true to, to be loyal to, that he will always be faithful to. And he's shown his affection to us time and time again, 
and his faithfulness, despite our many follies, will always be unquestioning. Great is thy faithfulness. And of course, as we come to this particular time of the year, I mean, that is actually one of the big points about the birth of the Lord Jesus. It is the faithfulness of God. It is his faithfulness to the many promises that he made, dating right back to the Garden of Eden, when the the promised seed of the woman was announced. And despite all the ups and downs of the people of God throughout all the generations, finally, in the faithfulness of God, the promise comes true, and the Savior of the world appears. And you know, Mary grasps this. I mean, if you were to turn to Luke chapter 1, Mary has been kind of shunted off, really, to Elizabeth's home up in the hillside of Judea because of the kind of scandal of the whole situation. And as she, um, first of all, speaks to Elizabeth, and she comes to an understanding of what God is doing within her and for her, she sees the grand picture and the wide sweep of the promises of God. And in that wonderful Magnificat, she says, God has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And the faithfulness of God is brought into sharp relief as we think about the coming into the world of the Lord Jesus. His word hadn't failed. The ancient promise was going to be fulfilled. And Mary praises God for his faithfulness in all of this. And you know, it's a tremendous source of comfort, I feel, for all of us tonight as we think about all of this. Despite our fears and our uncertainties, and the many anxieties that sometimes can grip us about so many things in all of our lives, so many areas of life that can prove to be difficult, we ask ourselves the question again, what is God like? What is God like? God is faithful. Always will be faithful to his word and his promises, to you, his his people, and he'll be true Whatever happens, as Moses once said, not one word that God said will ever fall down to the ground. Now, there are just a couple of things that I want to do in this message uh, tonight. Um, The first is to perhaps pick out just one specific or maybe a couple of specific areas uh, of God's faithfulness so that we're not just left in a kind of general sense with an appreciation of that but uh, we see in a little bit more detail and that, after I've done that uh, I, want, I want us to be challenged ourselves with this great characteristic of, of faithfulness because what we've tried to do during this series is we've said yes it's important for us to know God but it's in knowing God that, that we actually come to, to know ourselves and what we should be like ourselves. And so in learning about the faithfulness of God, there is a challenge to us to learn what faithfulness means 
from our point of view as well. So we're going to look at that. After all, faithfulness is, is one of the things that is the characteristic of being a child of God. It is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Those who have the Spirit of God, you know, we are to demonstrate love, joy, peace, goodness, and, and patience is one of them. And faithfulness is one of them. And so we'll come to that later on uh, in, in the message. But first of all, let, let's try and just focus in on one or two specifics uh, as far as faithfulness in God's character. And, and we've got some kind of uh, turning uh, to references to, to just make the point. So I'd like you to turn, first of all, uh, to First Corinthians uh, chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 8 and 9. I think all of these are going to come up on the screen. So, so here is what is said uh, in this passage about the faithfulness of God. As Paul writes to this church, he says, He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. Who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you just to look at a couple of words in that verse. First of all, this is talking, verse 8, about the keeping power of God. And it's also speaking to us in verse 9 about the calling of God. God who calls and God who keeps. And it says this, that God is faithful. God is faithful. He's faithful in that when he calls people, irrespective actually of how immature they are. I mean, you read the book of 1 Corinthians and you see all the kind of problems and difficulties and mistakes that this church had made. And you would write them off actually as being a viable church at all. And yet he's writing to them here and he's emphasizing God's calling and he's emphasizing God's faithfulness in being able to, to keep them right to the end, to keep them firm right to the very end so that they will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a tremendous thing to be encouraged with today. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll look around, we'll look within our, our hearts. And like the Corinthians, we see the mistakes that we've made so many times. And yet God is faithful. The fact that when he called us, that calling to be in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, was a real thing. And the fact of his commitment to keep us firm to the end is a real thing as well. What's it that that hymn says? I meant to bring the hymn book up so I wouldn't misquote it. You know how firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord. I think there's one of the verses that goes on to say that uh, the soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose. You know, God will never abandon to his foes. That soul Though all hell should endeavor to shake, 
He will never, no, never, no, never forsake. Why? Because he's faithful to his promises. And he's faithful to his own character. Now, there's another verse that makes this same point. If you'd like to turn this time to 1 Thessalonians uh, and chapter 5. Bearing in mind these two points, calling and, and keeping. Here's a prayer. Paul prays for this church. May God himself, God himself, I like that, God himself, that emphasis. The God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he'll do it. Now, that's a marvelous promise. It's not just saying that, you know, as we go through the Christian life, we're battered around by all the storms and we're just kind of hanging on uh, by, by our fingernails. I mean, uh, what, what this is actually saying, God is at work in his people. And what God is promising to do is he's going to sanctify us. We will be progressed and mature as, as Christian people. God will do that as far as our body, soul, and spirit is concerned, right until the time when the Lord Jesus Christ comes. And rather than us saying, that's, that's wishful thinking, I only wish if that was the case, that I would not just survive, but I would flourish and grow and be sanctified. Well, look at what God says. The one who calls you is faithful. That's what he said. And the one who calls you is faithful and and he will do it. What a great encouragement to know our faithful God. Now, to make the point again about God's calling as well as, the, as his keeping, let me ask you to turn this time to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and at verse number 23. What he's saying here, if you back up to verse 19, um, he's giving an encouragement. He's giving an invitation. He, he, he's saying to the people, you know, with a sense of confidence, let's draw near into the presence of God. Just understand and realize afresh the heart of the gospel, the power of the gospel, and what is involved in that. You know, you can draw near to God with a sincere heart in the full assurance that faith brings because your heart has been sprinkled to cleanse you from a guilty conscience. You've been washed with pure water. That's what God has done for you through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is what? He's faithful. You know, these people were being tempted to go back into the old way of life. He says, look, look, at, look at your calling. Look at, look at what forms the basis of the gospel, these wonderful truths. Let's hold unswervingly to that. You know, because God is faithful. These things will never fall. They will never fail. God has promised that. So let us hold unswervingly to it. 
There's an, there's an example of that kind of thing. If you just turn the page over, actually, in chapter 11 and verse 11 regarding Sarah, where it says, By faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. God spoke to her and made a promise that she laughed at initially, thought it was unbelievable, couldn't possibly be true. And yet she came to the point when she considered God's promise faithful. Let us, that's the challenge to us tonight, in the midst of things that seem beyond our wildest dreams and we're in a situation that you know we can't seem to fix or we can't see the way out of, consider him faithful and let us hold unswervingly to his promise. Now I'm going to give you one of my, my favorite ones now, which is in Second Timothy uh, chapter 2. Verse 13. This is an early, um, it's an early hymn uh, of the church. And as part of that hymn, um, which is introduced, by the way, at verse 11, by uh, saying that it is a trustworthy or it is a faithful saying. Here is something that can be relied upon. And at verse number 13, he says this. He says, that if we are faithless, now sometimes that, of course, can happen to all of us. We, we let the Lord down, you know, and, 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 and we're faithless as believers. What, what happens in that kind of situation? Well, he goes on to say this, that if we're faithless, he, that is God, he remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. Now there are two ways that I've heard that verse explained. And I think there's some merit in both of them. And they, they, they assist our kind of understanding and appreciation of it. One is this when it says he cannot disown himself. It's that idea of God will always be true to his character. You know God is in essence faithful. And he can't be anything else but faithful. He will always be true to that fact. He has committed himself to those who have had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, you're mine, you know, and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I cannot disown my very character. The second way I've heard this explained is this. As God looks on people who have had faith in Christ and who love him, and who follow him. You know, he, he understands that in a sense, you know, they're united to him. Christ is within them. The hope of glory. And so as he looks at a believer, he sees a believer as being in Christ. Almost being himself. And how can God disown himself? So we take both of these points and it gives us such a sense, I think, of reassurance that even at the point of our own failing and ourselves being faithless, you know, you think of Peter at the fire, you think of John Mark, you know, abandoning Paul and Silas, 
You think about ourselves, the many things that we've, we've kind of, you know, reneged on promises or we've let people down or whatever, you know, and we think of our faithlessness. How does the Lord look on us and his graciousness? We hold on to this. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. Now, maybe just a final one as far as the calling and the keeping faithfulness of God is concerned. Final one uh, in uh, the book of Hebrews again. Uh, sorry, the First Corinthians. First Corinthians and in chapter number 10. So here's a situation for this church here. Uh, lots of difficulties going on. He talks to them about the examples of the past. And uh, he says to them in chapter 10, verse 13, he says, no temptation. Now, sometimes that word temptation, it can also encompass the idea of testing. You know, so here are tests, difficulties, or here are temptations that we might all have to experience and be exposed to. And, and here is something that God is saying that he is going to be faithful in. Irrespective of the test, irrespective of the temptation. He says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. It's good to remember this. Of course, it's a great relief to remember this. That the things that we go under, you know, they're, they're, they're not novel we are not the first person who's had to experience it. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. We're not the first person to pass this way. It might be the permutations of it have some variety, but in essence, you know, these things, they repeat themselves. But what God is saying is this. Irrespective of its difficulty, he pledges himself in his faithfulness not to allow us to go into a situation of temptation or testing that is going to be beyond our ability to deal with or to survive or to cope with. And what he pledges and commits himself to and will be loyal to is the fact that when you are in that situation, that he will provide a way out so that you can endure it, so that you can bear up underneath that. No wonder, Jeremiah, as we've thought about these whole listing of, and there are, there are more of them than I've talked about tonight. And it's a, it's a good exercise, actually, to go and look some of these things up and go through them. But no wonder, you know, when Jeremiah looks at his own situation, he says, you know, the bitterness, the gall, yet in this I will have hope. You know, your mercy is new every morning. 
and great, he says, as he thinks about God, the God he has come to know. Great is your faithfulness. The God who calls us. The God who promises to keep us. Now what I'd like to do now, uh, just in bringing things to a bit of a close, is to, to ask ourselves, well, now that we've known this, or we've come to think about this, is there a challenge as well as a comfort to us as we think about this? A challenge for us ourselves to be faithful, to be loyal, to be true, to be trustworthy. Faithfulness, you know, sometimes you, you think it's almost like an, an excuse that has been made. People will say, well, it's not success that God commends. It's faithfulness. Almost as if, well, it doesn't matter how well I do, you know, that will be fine. Now, it's not meant to be an excuse. I think it is the reality. I mean, if you were to look at Jeremiah in particular, and you were to kind of gauge what he did during the course of his life and his ministry, by any kind of normal standards, you would say that he was not successful. You know, he preached to the people who didn't listen, you know, who didn't give him the time of day, and uh, at the end of it, he, he, he sees a destroyed and a desecrated city. And, and, and that was the total of his, of his ministry. I mean, what did he achieve? Well, what he achieved was this. He stood firm for the word of God and for, and for what God had instructed him and given him a task to do. And he was faithful in all of that. Whether they listen or whether they don't, they will know that there has been a prophet. You know? And so, as far as we are concerned, irrespective of what everybody else does, or what they say, or where they go, I mean, what is placed upon us as the people of God, as the faithful, is to be true to the faith. It is to be faithful to Christ and to His Word. And it is to take our stand with Christ and with His Word and with His Gospel and to be loyal and to be true to the things of Christ. I find it very interesting, actually, again, just thinking about this during the course of the week, finding out how many individuals in our New Testament, some of whom are only mentioned very briefly, but they're, they're nevertheless described with this word. They're described as being faithful people. Now, you can look at this up when you go home, but there's a man in Colossians 1, verse 17, called Epaphras. There are another two men in chapter 4 of Colossians. One is called Tychicus and one is called Onesimus. There's another man in Revelation chapter 2 called Antipas. And all of these people, they have this appellation. They're referred to as being faithful. Faithful brothers. Now, I just thought, what does that mean? I'm thinking of Jeremiah. So what does that mean? Are there any other aspects that I can think about that would really help me to understand as far as I am concerned, like the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. 
And there was one man in particular that I thought about. I'm going to get you to turn to this one. Uh, it's, he's mentioned in the book of Third John. The whole book actually is, uh, is written to him. He's a man called Gaius, or Gaius, depending on your pronunciation. And let me just read a couple of things about him. Verse 3. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth. Telling how you continue to walk in it. Now look at verse 5. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they're strangers to you. Now if you read down, you find out what he was doing to these brothers. He was, he was somebody who, who was given the task, the ministry of hospitality. And that's what he did for the Lord. People came to the town and they were evangelists or they were missionaries. It says that for the sake, verse 7, of the name, they went out. And Gaius faithfully, year after year, invited these evangelists and traveling preachers into his house, supported them, sent them on their way, encouraged them, was behind them. And what it's told here is this, the the way he's described is, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters. He kept at it. He plugged away. And these people were very grateful, I've no doubt at all, to the ministry of this man Gaius. And so I thought about that, and I thought about the importance of, of being faithful as far as the support of, of Christ's workers and Christ's work. You know, and so I speak to all of our hearts, and we say, well, in whatever we are, we, are, we are called to do, whether that is the Monday club, or teaching in the Sunday school, or you know, helping with the audiovisual stuff, or stewarding, or any area of work that God calls you to, calls us to be faithful in all of that. Whether it's teaching our children at home, whether it's just living for Christ in a, in a secular world, whether it's living among our neighbors and among our families, we're told to be faithful and true to Christ and, and keep at it and not to give up, to be faithful in all of that. There's another part I'm sure was part and parcel of what Gaius did. Uh, Again, I'll just get you to turn to this. It's found in Romans chapter uh, 12, which which lies behind any work that anyone is called to do. Look at this, uh, Romans 12, verse 12. Be, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Faithfulness. Faithfulness in prayer. And all of us, of course, feel a bit kind of uh, bad when we think about this. You know, we have our prayer lists. We, we look up our missionary magazine or, or whatever and we, 
we try to kind of do our little bit every day and, remit, and, and then we, we kind of fall behind and we, we give up on it. And, you know, this is not meant to be laying guilt on us all because we, we're all in the same boat, aren't we? But, but it is an encouragement to us, isn't it? It's a challenge to us. Faithfulness, God is faithful. And he calls upon us to be like him and be faithful. And that involves being, being faithful in prayer. We were up in Lossiemouth with Foster and Fiona a month or so ago. And um, we went round to visit somebody that I, I hadn't seen probably for 25 years. And um, she told me what her routine was in the morning. She said, I've got kind of bad knees. And uh, I find if I go on an exercise bike, uh, it helps me. Um, and so she went on her exercise bike and her son said that very often when he, he passes the window, he looks in and he sees her mother on, her ex, on his exercise bike, but he hears her at the same time. Because what she does is she's got a big prayer list. And as she's on her exercise bike, she runs through all the people that she prays about. And she says, I've been praying for you and your family for 20, 25 years, every single day. Now that, that is staggering. You know, and very humbling um, to think that somebody has that faithful commitment, as it says here, be faithful in prayer. And there are unsung people all across the church, and they're involved in this. And it, it challenges me that I might be faithful in, in prayer. You know, again, it's faithfulness that God is looking for. In us, you know, I was talking to Bruce uh, earlier on today. We were we were talking about um, the people who were saved when Jesus went to the well at Sychar. You know, the woman at the well. She went back into the city. She said, "Come on, see a man that told me everything that I did. This must be the Christ." And and there's a revival. You know, the whole city goes out to him. And then Jesus talks to his disciples and he says, I want you to just remember something here. You know, lest you get carried away with the kind of success of what has happened and your involvement in that. And this is what he said to them. He said, you know, other people labored. And you have only entered into their labor. Who were these people? Who were these nameless Folks that we really don't know anything about at all, who Jesus says there were people who lived in this place over the years and they labored and they never saw anything as far as what you would term success. But here we are today because there are different categories of people in the economy of God. There are those who sow and there are those who reap. And you have reaped today because they sowed yesterday. You know, and so we, we, we take that as an encouragement to be faithful in, in prayer. Because at the end of the day, that's what God will hold us accountable for. You know, the, the parable of the talents that Jesus taught. You know, the different people who were given the various talents. And there was the man who, who took it and he, he dug a hole in the ground. You know, God had given him something. The master had given him something and he buried it. And when the master returned, he dug it up and he said he presented it to him. And the Lord was saying things to the various people. And the thing that he was saying to them all was not said to this man. And it was this. Well done, good 
And what? Faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. Why did you hide it in the ground? Why didn't you do anything with it? And so, as we think about the faithfulness of our God, and the comfort and the reassurance that gives to us in knowing that, we're realizing that you know, that, that knowledge should, should also stimulate us to be like him. So that, that we might one day, hopefully in the, in the mercy of God, as we stand before Christ that is coming, you know, have that desire to hear him say to us, you know, well done. Because we're meant to be faithful people too. Faithful to Christ. Faithful to hospitality and generosity. Support of the gospel. Faithful in prayer. Now shall we pray. Lord, thank you that as we have tried over these weeks to grasp something about who you are, uh, we find ourselves again in awe of you with your many wonderful characteristics, your love and your justice, your righteousness, your compassion, your patience. And here we have Lord, as we've thought of this tonight, these wonderful um, uh, expressions of, of, of how you are so faithful to us. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. And so, Lord, we just pray for us all tonight that in the sense of, of this, that it would encourage and, uh, and gird up our hearts as we think about your goodness to us. May we go from this place tonight in a sense of the greatness and the goodness and the mercy of our God, as we ask in Christ's name. Amen.